Father, Lord, thank you so much for our opportunity in this time to hear what your word says in the book of Philippians. And, and Lord, today we're gonna trust that we'll wrap up this study and uh, Lord, we wanna, we wanna, truly, we wanna hear from you. Uh, we want the word of God to speak to us. And so, uh, just as Christ, the living word, brought into reality your will, and all things that were made were made by the spoken word of Jesus Christ. So also, Lord, we want, we want your will to be manifest in our life because we've received your word. We want what's said of us to be true over us. Uh, we want your will, your word to us to be manifest in our lives. And so God, we, we just trust you for your grace to receive it. We ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to give us understanding, to convince and to convict us of truth and to submit our lives to it. Uh, you only are the living God and, and so your will, this is the only thing that matters. And, and so God, help us to receive that this morning. God, I thank you for the, the worship team. I thank you for everybody that works uh, to make our times together possible. And, and Lord, would you continue to bless our hospitality teams, our worship teams, the security teams, uh, the kid town workers and, and teachers, and Lord, all of our fellowship ministry teams, and Lord, our time together and, and, and just corporate worship. God, we thank you for the privilege. And again, we ask that everything that, you know, our, our nation is so divided right now, and, and with the election, up in the air. Again, we pray that, that everything would fall out to us living a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, Lord, we know that you're willing that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so, God, we just ask for the liberty to be able to do what you've called us to do, to win souls and make disciples and train and equip people so that ministry will multiply around the world. Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Lee Summit and Tampa and Boston, Vietnam, uh, Lord, new, new disciples in Dallas and Denver and, and just places around the world. Lord, in Madison, Wisconsin. Lord, we just pray your blessing on our brothers and sisters. And we ask that, 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 that souls would, would, would follow as disciples. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give. And, and again, Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of this church that we're growing as stewards. And, and Lord, we just want to ask your blessing on the resources um, God, would you give wisdom to the, to the various teams to make sure that, that the dollars are, are falling out to your glory, that ministry's multiplying, that the work is being taken care of so that people can learn the word, uh, both here and, and uh, in the places that we're supporting in ministry. Uh, again, Lord, um, we don't want to forget about brothers and sisters all over the world that are suffering for their faith and and with, uh, we just thank you for the voice of the martyrs and the work that they do, making sure that we see the persecuted church and know how to pray, to pray effectively. And so God, um, help us to, 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 to lean in, Lord. We, wanna, we, we don't want people that we've never met to not know that we're praying for them. They're our brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, help us to grow in our capacity and our ability to pray for the persecuted church. And then, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to invest in the fatherless. Uh, thank you for the Grayland 5K and, Lord, the, the orphans that, that we get to support through that and through Giving Tuesday. 
And so, Lord, uh, prepare our hearts. In December, we want to, on Giving Tuesday, take up the largest offering, and, and we want to see the, the fatherless supported. And, and so, God, use us to be a blessing to them. In India, Nepal, in, in Malawi, Africa, uh, with the refugee children in Costa Rica, Lord, to support fostering here in Kansas City. Lord, we want kids to know that you love them because of how you've used us in their life. And so we ask for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot to lift up to the Lord. All right, Lord willing, we're going to finish up Philippians chapter 4 today. And the thing I pray that we see is that mature believers are all in on the mission. Whatever it takes for a soul-winning, disciple-making, equipping ministry to multiply around the world, well, then that's what we got to do. Uh, the handouts for the notes, are, the, the notes are on the social links, so YouTube and, and Facebook and at mbtkc.org, you can get a digital copy of the notes. If you want paper copy and didn't get it, raise your hand right now and the Connections team will hook you up. Otherwise, we're, we're going to get to work. So quick review, what we're seeing so far in the book of Philippians here in chapter four is that physical investment in ministry produces a right focus in life and it's gonna generate reward in eternity. If our life falls out to God's will, well there's gonna be reward at the judgment seat of Christ. And so here would be a breakdown of everything that we've seen so far. In verses one through 10, we're seeing that right focus. Okay, that right focus should result in right actions and we see that specifically in verses nine and 10. And then that will result in real fruit. Real fruit is your first blank. And we'll see that today in verses 14 through 23. And if you'll remember the last time in verse six, we saw that we're commanded to be careful for nothing. God didn't call us to be worry warts. We, Christians shouldn't, shouldn't spend their time anxious and wringing their hands and, and, and worrying about things. We wanna be careful, we wanna be anxious over, we wanna be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't be anxious, don't be a worry wart. Talk to God about the things that you see and then trust that he is going to undertake on your behalf. You can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. So Paul says don't be anxious, verse six, but then in verse 10 he commends the Philippian church on the fact that they did care enough about him. They were careful enough over him. They were, they were, they were concerned enough about him to help him during a difficult time. And you say, well, you know, what made Paul so special? Well, you try getting slapped into prison, chained, right? Spend your life at the end of a chain and then say it doesn't mean a big deal, right? It doesn't mean a great deal when people are careful or concerned over you because that's a difficult place to be. And Paul was careful to point out that, that he, he didn't have anything that he particularly needed. Look at verse 11. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. There's nothing that I lack. There's nothing that I have to have, for I have learned, verse 11 says, in whatsoever state I am, therewith, with that state, whether I'm free ministering or if I'm at the end of a chain ministering, whether I'm abounding or I'm going through a time of lack, I have learned with that state, therewith, to be content. And then again, he gives the key in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So if we saw the example of Christ's life, and he can say he didn't really have to have anything but God to get by. Okay, but then he says in verse 14, notwithstanding, you've done well that you did communicate with my affliction. 
uh, I was suffering and, and you worked to alleviate that suffering. So why? I mean, he had just explained that all he needed was Christ. He didn't have to have anything in whatever situation, whatever condition he found himself in, with that state, in that condition, well, he's content. He's got all that he needs in Christ. So if we looked at that, right, if, if all we did is if, if, the, if the passage, if, if chapter four ended at verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, then guess what our reaction would be anytime we saw another brother or sister in need? You're like, well, brother, sister, I see you suffering. You can do all things through Christ. That will strengthen you. And what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. I mean, like our response consistently would be, you can do it, you know? I mean, we would just be cheering them on and then that would be the end of the story. Only, only, only the, the instruction doesn't stop at verse 13. If all we had was verse 13, God, God knows how we would react. We would just live our whole life in our own world and we'd never lift a finger to help another brother. But look at verse 14. Mature believers, they give to the need of others. Mature believers support the mission. Verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done that you did, communi- that you did communicate, you, di- you gave, right? You supported, uh, you did communicate with my affliction. Uh, you see verse 14, you did communicate with my affliction. In verse 18, he said he had received, right? I have all in abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. It was a sacrifice for you, but God's accepted it. So you communicated in a sacrificial way. You gave at the level that it hurt you to make sure that I was taken care of. I was taken care of. He says, you sent physical, financial help while I was in these chains. And he says it's a well work, right? Ye have well done. You know, in Acts chapter 10, Peter had well done when he brought the gospel to a needy lost man. Look at Mark's cha- Mark chapter seven. They said that Jesus did all things well. Why was that? In Mark seven, verse 37, they were beyond measure astonished, saying, he hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. People are hearing the word of God. He does all things well. Why? Because people are hearing the word of God. People are speaking the word of God. Well, that's what Paul was doing. He was doing well at the end of a chain and he is communicating the gospel. We'll see that by the end of the chapter. Uh, Satan thought he could shut Paul down. All that happened was as Paul was brought into Satan's inner sanctum and, and then Paul's just leading people to Christ in Caesar's, Caesar's household. I mean, how awesome is that? Ye have well done. So that's the question on the floor this morning. Are you doing well? whenever the testimony, the biblical testimony over your life is spoken? Is it that ye have well done, that ye have done all things well? In other words, is God manifesting his life, his power, right? The, is, is, the, is the manifest God, uh, power of God, right? Is that coming through your life into the life of another person? Can God manifest his power through you to help another? Can he provide for the real needs of others through you? Is that happening in your life? Do you realize, Christian, that you need that? You need God to work with you to help other people. 
You have to have that. You need to be a conduit of the grace of God. If your Christian life is just falling out to you existing, you are deficient, you're missing out on something. God's calling you, he's, he's, he's inviting you to be a part of something spectacular, that you could be a conduit of his grace to help somebody else that's lacking something, that's hurting, that's, that, that's, that's in a place of physical need. So get this down in your notes. The Philippian believers, they were mature. They wanted to be used of God to meet the needs of others. Needs is your next blank. They wanted to be used to meet the need of the Apostle Paul. So look at verse 15, point number two. Mature believers then have a heart, right? They want to asset to. I see Paul in need. I see, uh, I see brothers, sisters, co-laborers in Christ. They're missing something that they really need to have. I want to be part of the solution. They have a heart to help others in need. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church helped, no church gave, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. You guys were the only one that came alongside me in my lack, in my need. See, here's what is amazing about the church at Philippi. They knew what they had received of the Lord and they wanted to pass it on. So get this down in your notes. You know, some people, here's a, a big problem. Some people benefit from the gospel. Right? They benefit from gospel ministry, but they never get behind gospel ministry. They receive the benefits, but then they're never part of the supply. So let me explain. Matthew 16, 26 gives a great principle. Jesus says, for what is a man profited if he gain, right, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So think about the worth of the entire planet. It's, uh, it's many, many, many trillions of dollars in value. You, you actually can't put a price on the value of the world. Its ability to generate, create, to sustain wealth, it's, it's incredible. The, the wonder, the value of the planet. But God says, what, what does it profit you if you get all of that, but you still lose your own soul? So in that light, your eternal soul is actually the single most valuable thing you could ever possess. And as a Christian, when you think about your soul, you've received eternal life. Not temporal life, not life for a time. Eternal life with the Creator, with the living God. And you got that because of the gospel. Because of the gospel, because somebody with precious feet, prepared feet, brought the gospel, whether through a track, whether through testimony, whether through preaching of the gospel to you, uh, you received the gospel and your soul became eternally secure. In other words, you got something literally of, it's literally greater than the value of this planet. It was given to you freely. You received something of planetary value for free. It's better than getting the title deed to planet Earth. If all of Earth said it's yours, that would probably make you the Antichrist, right? We've read our Bibles, okay, so that you'd be in a bad shape if you actually own the planet. Okay, but let's just say all of the planet agreed and everything is yours. That would come in second to you having eternal, your soul having eternal life. I mean, if you had the whole planet, think of the rent you could charge. What would you do with all the money, right? And yet you have something of greater, if you're gonna believe the Bible, you have something of greater value than the rock that you live on. God gave you eternal life. 
But then you turn around, and with that eternal life, the life that you live is only foolishly invested in temporal, right, earthly things. In other words, you've received everything, but then you live your life like it's only about me? I mean, who does that? And yet most people do. I wonder, do we believe the word of God this morning? Do we actually believe it? Is our life all about us, or is it all about he who gave us that life? Do we recognize, right, the, the, the basket that the eggs of our life is actually being carried in? Where, where are the priorities at for our life? Is it us or is it him? And the proof is in how you invest that eternal life. How do you invest your life? What souls are you investing in? What mission, what ministry are you working to support in life? What mission are you helping to finance? Listen, you can, say you, can, you, you can say all you want, how much you care about God and the things of God, how much you love God, how much you love God's people. You can say that all you want, but does how you spend your time and your money scream liar over your life? How you invest your life, does that contradict the words that come out of your mouth? See, I, I, I bring this up because we find it here in Philippians chapter four. I wonder, you know, in terms of our local church ministry here at MBT, we've got a vision to reach this planet. Uh, we said from the beginning, when we were sent out of KCBT, now Graceway, can we trust the Lord to be a little church in the hood that can rock the nations for God's glory? I mean, what's the point of just seeing how big a crowd we can amass at 40th and Walnut? God should get souls. God should have glory from 40th and Walnut, but he deserves all the glory, amen? That means we gotta go to the nations. We gotta go to all the nations. And so, from the beginning, how can we be a ministry that's set upon multiplying a little people in a, in a little place with little resources? Can we rock the nations for God's glory? Yes, we can. And so that's why we sent a team to Tampa, Florida, and there's now a church, a Living Faith Fellowship in Tampa, Florida. We sent a team across town to Lee Summit, and there is a thriving church across town, and, and now we've got a team in Boston, Massachusetts. You know, we've got disciple, soul winners, disciple makers, and uh, Mike said even with the, the, the COVID and all the shutdowns, they had 18 people from Boston already uh, online with them in their Zoom. Man, praise the Lord, you know, ministry is multiplying. We've got disciples in Vietnam. Ministry is multiplying. We're working with a team in Dallas, Texas, and ministry is multiplying, and it looks like the same thing's happening in Denver and, and possibly Madison, Wisconsin, and, and what, because God deserves all the glory. That's why we would do this. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, we want to be a part of them giving glory, singing praises to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's worth anything it takes to see that happen. Do you get that? It's worth anything it takes. Whatever it takes, whatever the mission requires, we ought to be willing to joyfully give that in order to see the ministry multiply in that way. We said from the beginning we want to be a church that when we are grown up, when we're mature, 50% of our budget goes to the kingdom work. We don't spend it on the work at 40th and Walnut. We want to spend it with the, to the we, we want to spend it so that it invests in multiplying the kingdom of God around the world. So we call it the kingdom account. It's our missions fund. 
With that, we've got several staff members now that support the ministry from 40th and Walnut, but we've got a part-time salary taking care of what will be when we're growing up. Last year we were what, Deb, 40% of the budget was going to kingdom work. We didn't spend that on the work here at 40th and Walnut, and we've got a part-time salary tied to managing that. (laughs) Um, That's not proper. That is not going to work. That's not scalable. That's not going to work long term. Uh, typically, what happens in missions organizations is of all the money that's raised, the way the mission organization works is they take their cut off the top. So, for example, we sent the Fifes to Pakistan. And of all of the money that came in, team took 12% off the top. So, for every dollar that they raised, they got 88 cents of it to take care of their salary. Their, their, uh, their insurance, their retirement, and to fund the actual work of the ministry there in Asia. And so, you know, the, the question for us has to be, as a mission agency, right, as a, as a, as a kingdom-focused organization, are we gonna take everything off the top, every dollar that comes in, or can we just give to support that so that when we send a team out, all of the money that they raise can just go to the work that they're doing. Does that make sense? In other words, I say all of that to say this. Would you prayerfully consider just giving to kingdom like you would support the fiefs to go to Pakistan, right? Would you also pray about taking on a strategic missionary, a strategic mission work? Can you seek the Lord about just giving to the missions account? Because out of that, then, we can fund some salaries here to support a growing ministry around the world. Okay, so this year, I don't know if we'll hit it, but, but we're a year or so away from having a $2 million budget, uh, yearly budget. And, and I'm just telling you from experience, one part-time salary is not going to effectively manage a million dollars. Okay, if we can get to that place where we are a grown-up church, and that's going to be based on what we gotta do in terms of getting space for everybody to do ministry here, but that's the goal. A part-time salary is not going to effectively take care of managing half of our budget. Does that make sense to you guys? We need to be able to fund some people. In other words, those salary hours need to not be focused on what we're doing here primarily, they need to be focused on what we're doing around the world. So. That is one slam dunk easy way to know that you're communicating to the needs of ministry and missionaries and the mission around the world is just by giving to the kingdom fund. Again, we're gonna put people in front of you and teams in front of you as our church planting strategy starts hitting high gear. We're gonna be aiming you at the things that will help us to plant churches around the world. We're gonna keep putting those opportunities in front of God's people and you'll be able to give just like you always have. I don't ever want to get in the way of God's people giving directly to support a minister, a missionary around the world. You're gonna be able to keep doing that. But just like LFBI is a strategic giving opportunity, prayerfully consider that to give in a regular, consistent way to support our Bible school. We've got now, uh, Lori's not in this, I think we've got 250-ish or more Uh, Somebody told me 275 active students this semester in the Bible school. And uh, roughly just half of those are out of our local church, okay? There are people 
plugging in from all over the world. Now more and more international students are plugging into our Bible school. And so just giving to support that, we wanna, by the grace of God, keep that $40 a credit hour. Well, that's not gonna happen through magic or well-wishing. <laughs> it's gonna take people that get the strategic value of the Bible school to commit to giving to that. I mean, that's another slam dunk way to know that you're supporting the multiplying of biblical, a biblical philosophy of ministry around the world. We need some mature people here at NBC to say it's not about me, it's about supporting the mission so that we can put on staff the people that will ensure the multiplying of what we're doing here at 40th and Walnut that it happens around the world. Is that making sense? Um, we need to grow our staff in the area of missions and it needs to come out of the missions budget. I just don't know how else to put that. Look at verse 16. For in Thessalonica, you didn't just give one time, right? They were consistent, regular givers. Notice this. For ye in Thessalonica, even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. I had need, and God used you to supply it, Paul said. Over and over, you were faithfully supporting God's program. You did it tangibly. They got their wallets out, and they took care of business. They were faithful, they, I mean, faithfulness is how you would describe these Philippian believers. Once and again, you sent, you were regular, consistent givers. So don't claim to be right with God if you don't have his heart for the world, don't do that. Don't claim to be a good Christian when you refuse to fund his ministers. We have missionaries, we have church plants out there who are working to multiply ministry and they have necessity that God wants to meet through you. You know, most church members, they're not even obedient to biblically tithe to their own church, much less sacrifice to support ministry around the world. They won't, they won't give up pizza night to make sure that a church gets planted in India. They just won't do that. Most church members, they're not obedient just to steward the first out of everything that God gives them. You know, if you come to church and you just from time to time, we'll throw a few bucks. You tip God from time to time to make yourself feel better, you're missing out. And if that's you, you're just a tipper, well then I prayerfully, according to what we're seeing here in Philippians chapter four, I hope you feel miserable. You say, Miles, you're a jerk. Well, maybe I am, but that doesn't change it. I hope you feel miserable. I hope you toss and turn all night. I hope you get terrible gas. I hope you grow a second nose. I pray your God, I pray your dog, right, yaks in your favorite shoe. I hope you're miserable till you get right. Because has God blessed you? Do you have enough? Is your belly full? Do you have a place to sleep? You say, well, I got, Pastor, I got responsibilities. Yeah, but in America, you're rich. And you could give up pizza night, eat top ramen, and help fund the planting of a church in Boston. You, you know you could do that. In America, you're rich. First John chapter three, verse 17 says, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Man, I love God. Well, your pocketbook, tell, your pocketbook screams different. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. James said it this way, James chapter two, verse 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, you can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful for the body, what doth it profit? 
Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. I pray that you give God this area, right? Give him control over your life in this area because I hope you don't miss out on anything that God's desired for you to have. Look at verse 17. Don't miss out on verse 17. What's the result of mature believers giving to the need of the mission? Well, mature believers get fruit, that's what they get, that's the result. Paul says you gave it and I didn't want it for myself, look at this, verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. See, Paul knew that God was gonna take care of him. He knew he could get through anything through Christ. That strengthened him. He kept getting stronger for it, but he knew this truth, so get this down in your notes. The Christian life you live isn't about you. It's not about you. So invest, right, what God, who God has made you, what God has given you, invest that so that fruit will abound at the judgment seat of Christ. You don't exist so that you get everything you want out of life. You exist so that God gets all the glory out of your life. This is why some Christians who live for themselves and they're getting everything that they want, they're still perfectly miserable because there's no point. (laughs) What's the point? Invest your life so that fruit will abound at the judgment seat. God wants to use you. He wants to even use your lack, your needs, even your chains to help mature others. Here's Paul at the end of a chain. I'm so glad I'm in this mess so that you have to help because that's good for you. (laughs) That's a mature perspective. Paul said, I don't need your money, but I want you to be blessed of God. God's gonna take care of all my need. I'm content. Whatever, Whatever God's okay with letting me suffer through, I'm okay with it too. But I'm so glad I'm suffering because you get to help me. This is good for you. There's gonna be, I'm, you're gonna be sharing in the reward with me at the judgment seat of Christ. You're gonna go through tough times. I shared with you last week, you know, before the planting of this church, God brought me through a season where he brought me very low and it was like the cherry on top of that time was literally, literally physically having to suffer a broken back and realizing that's just, <laughs> God bring me to the place where it's not by my might or not, it's not by my power. If God's gonna do it, it's gonna be by his spirit. And to go through that time of humbling, that time of suffering, so that God could use me to be a part of a team that plants a soul-winning, disciple-making, leadership-equipping and sending to be a part of a church like that, worth it, worth it because there's gonna be fruit for it, not just me, but for us at the judgment seat of Christ. Do you see that? Man, how awesome is that? You could summarize verses 14 through 18 just literally in Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9, Paul told the Galatian believers, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you don't quit, it's gonna work out. Verse 18, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. Hey, Philippian church, it hurt, but you gave it. It was a sacrifice. I get that, but it was to the Lord. So Paul got their gift. He was grateful. And what's better than that, 
the believers at Philippi, they got to sacrifice, they got to give like it hurt. To do without so that Paul could have what he needed, what are the, I mean, what, what's the blessing in that? They literally got to follow the model of Christ. He gave so much it hurt. Remember that, Philippians 2? He took upon himself the form of a servant and he gave everything that we might have the righteousness of God through him. So they get to follow the example of Christ. They got to, they got to enter into the fellowship of suffering, Christ's sufferings with Christ, with the Apostle Paul. They got to put themselves in a place where it hurt to help, to personally give a sacrifice, to personally hurt so that Paul could gain That is the ultimate expression of knowing Christ. That's the mark of a mature believer that whatever the mission takes, whatever is required, Paul's hurting, he's suffering, he has necessity, and we're not rolling in it. And so we're gonna do without some things so that Paul has the things that he needs to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, to be made conformable to his death. What a privilege that is, let's do that. Why do mature Christians have fruit? Because mature Christians sacrifice for the missions. It's gonna take your time, it's gonna take the whole of your life, it's gonna take you reprioritizing your stewardship. The mission requires your sacrifice, and according to verse 18, God's response is that's acceptable. That's well done, It's, it's well pleasing to God. We're entering into Um, something, you know, in terms of the life of our church, we're entering into a phase of ministry that I've dreamt about for years. Um, I would draw it on a napkin in the early days of just starting to make disciples at MBT. And uh, if you've been around any length of time, you, you, you know we talk about the napkin a lot where ministry is multiplying and those multiplying ministries are now working together to multiply ministry all the more. We just had our staff pastors retreat last week and Pastor Dan from Renault joined us, Pastor Mark from uh, Tampa, Florida, Pastor Ong who is trusting the Lord to get around COVID and get to Vietnam. Uh, was with us. Pastor Mike wanted to be with us, but he had COVID, so he can just stay in Boston. And, uh, but, but what was exciting to me was to see how excited Dan and Mark were to help plant the church in Boston, to send teams and to support the work in Boston. It was just super groovy. And uh, I was joking with them. I said, you know, when it's time for me to retire, and I'll know it's time for me to retire whenever I'm leading an international team to plant a church in San Diego. <laughs> because San Diego, you, I mean, that left coast needs Jesus, y'all. I mean, they need Jesus bad, and, and San Diego, I mean, I don't want anybody in San Diego to go to hell, <laughs> so I'm joking, but, but that's the kind of thing that we're gonna, we're gonna be, if the Lord tarries, that's the kind of thing we're gonna see. Uh, Jeanette Bichagi, our sister in Nairobi, Kenya, she is winning souls and making disciples. She's starting Bible studies. Brothers and sisters, if we don't come alongside her and, and send teams and a team to Nairobi, what are we doing with our life and what are we doing with this church? 
we're wasting our time just holding services here at 40th and Walnut. Oh, gag me with a spoon. Who, why would anybody want to waste their life just holding services? I don't know about you, but I want the judgment seat of Christ to resound with glory to Christ. That there'll be people there that give praise and glory and honor to Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords because God used us to reach some people who went and reached some people who went and reached some people who reached some more people that won in Christ and made disciples of them and they, we get to the judgment seat of Christ, they don't even know who we are, but they're there because God used us. I wanna be a part of something like that, don't you? I don't wanna just play church like little kids play house. I wanna matter for the kingdom. We are entering into a phase of ministry that's gonna result in church planting around the world uh, it's already happening. We're gonna be talking about this more in the weeks to come. I wanted December to be able to have our missions focus lead up to our conference. And so um, save the date for the focus conference. That's the Wednesday through Sunday uh, after Christmas, all right? Uh, just please make a plan to prioritize that. We'll see what it looks like with COVID uh, moving forward, but um, but uh, we're gonna, one way or another, we're gonna have our mission focus this year. And you might not be able to go on a trip right now, but you can help those that are going, and you can help those that are doing the work around the world. See, the sign of a mature Christian life is this. Who are you supporting in ministry? What are you supporting in the mission? What do you value to the point that you're willing to sacrifice to see it through? You say, well, I don't know where to get started. Well, join us in our Tuesday night prayer ministry. Join a Join a prayer team, right? Be a part of a missionary prayer team. Help, help support, help fund a mission program. You know, I wanted, to, I wanted to go to Kansas City when I was a little kid to go to Worlds of Fun. That was like Mecca. I'd been once before when I was really early and I could barely remember it and, and, uh, and I wanted to go again and I, ne I needed money. I grew up on a farm in Southwest Missouri. How do I get to Worlds of Fun? And my dad said, well, you know, we got a lot of thistles. And I'll give you a penny for every thistle that you dig up, but you have to have the root if you don't get the root. And we've got a lot of multiflora rose bushes. If you don't know what multiflora rose is, it was a great idea that turned to hell on earth for the farmer. Uh, birds scatter these seeds and these, these rose bushes are growing everywhere and, and they were meant to be hedgerows and they just turned into a really big mess. He says, I'll give you a dollar for every multiflora rose bush you dig up, but you gotta dig up the root. I want the stump, I want the root, I want proof that you, you killed that bush. Well these things, some of these multiflora rose thickets would be 20 feet. I mean just these massive snarls and you had to, you, I would be cut up getting to the stump because that's where the dollar was. Whatever it took to get that and whatever it was, you know, I figured a week in Kansas City, if I had 50 bucks, man, I'd live like a king. I, just, that's, I, <laughs> I was bloody, I was a mess, but I got my 50 bucks. Now, if a little kid can do that to go to a place like Worlds of Fun, what could we do for the kingdom of God? I mean, come on, what could we do? I'd, I'd rather be a little bloody than waste my life, wouldn't you? I'd, I'd rather be bruised up than just waste my life living it on myself. 
If a little kid can do that for a few bucks, surely born-again men and women can do a whole lot more for eternity. You know, even though you may be called to sacrifice, you can never outgive God, you know that. You remember what Paul said we were to do when we see our lack? Verse six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul could say, yeah, I know you got problems yourself, but when you gave, when it hurt, you also have the opportunity to go to the Lord. Uh, This is hard, this is difficult, and God will supply all your need. Look at verse 19, mature believers live in faith. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice it's he supplies your need, not what you want. Uh, What you need to do is just get focused, seeking God first and his righteousness, and then the things that we need, God takes care of them. Matthew 6, 33. But whatever sacrifice God calls you to make for other people, well, he's the one that provided you to make that sacrifice possible in the first place. Do you see that? He's the one that made it possible. You know, you can grab every dime and every asset and spend it on yourself, and you know, you'll get some enjoyment and benefit from it. There will be benefit in this world, but the word of God reveals a better opportunity for us that can become an investment in others for eternity. Reward, compensation for eternity. It's a better investment. And the result is not just you, but others are living the mature Christian life. I want you to see how Paul signs off this letter. So knowing that you're tapped into everything that God has for you, verse 20, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. And then he's bragging, he's kind of rubbing it in Satan's face. Notice, anytime you're in hard times, if you really look around, you see you're actually very rich, okay? Paul's on the end of a chain, and yet he's got his family in Christ with him. And so get this down in your notes. We're rich by the fact that we have each other. Uh, Turn to a brother or sister close to you and say, man, I'm just so glad God has you in my life. You make me rich. And if you can't do that, we'll get to know somebody, all right? Build some relationships in this place. We're real, God's made us rich because he gave us one another. And so here it is. Here's the, here's the in-your-face Satan statement. Look at verse 22. All the saints salute you. Chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our God, right? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. And this is a letter written to the Philippians from Rome by Epaphroditus. So Paul says this on the end of a chain. Can you make statements like that? See, Paul knew he was rich in Christ. The relationships that he had in the body of Christ. Do you know what you've got in this church? You say, well, I really don't. Well, that's because you come in, you sit down, and you go out. You don't plug in with us. Plug in with us. Jump on the path to growth with us. Join a Bible study. Plug into the path to growth. Go to the cost of discipleship class. Jump in with us. Serve on a ministry team. Help haul the water here and build the relationships that God has for you here. Paul has precious, valuable relationships in Christ, and he's rubbing Satan's nose in what God's doing through him. He says, you know, we're all greeting you here, but mainly it's the household of Caesar that I want you to know about, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. See, Satan can use Caesar's army to hold me, and then Christ will just use me to win Caesar's house to himself. See, this is why we don't freak out whoever's in office. We just don't freak out. 
Only God can take Saul, the religious zealot, and turn him into Paul, the example of God's power, glory, and grace. Only God can take your life, your self-absorbed life, and then turn you into the example of his power, his glory, and his grace. Here's what you need to know about God. He is a judo master. And whatever Satan means for evil, God's just gonna use it for good, and however messed up the world gets, well, that's just an opportunity for the light of Christ to shine all the more. That's what he wants to do through us, his people. Verse 23, if we just get that, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with us all. Amen. I pray this morning our eyes will be open to the riches that we have in Christ and then we're gonna know joy. Then we're gonna see God glorified in our lives. Then we're gonna quit wasting our lives on ourselves and we're gonna be a part of God's mission and God's glory to the nations. I'd like us to bow our heads and humble ourselves right now. Brothers, sisters, God didn't call you to live your life for yourself. We need to see more of God. We need to see more of God's power working in our lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, your Bible tells you God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God's calling you to be a part of something that will change lives for his glory for eternity. You say, well, I don't know enough. I don't have enough. I'm not strong enough, I'm not enough. Oh, that qualifies you. It pleases God to use the weak and foolish things of this world to bring great glory to his name. That's what qualifies you. How many would say, Pastor, would you please pray for me because I'm recognizing I've kind of been in that trap, that immature trap of just existing for myself, me and mine, and I wanna be a part of something that's transforming the planet for the glory of God. I wanna be a part of ministry multiplying around the world. I, I, I recognize I need to find a way to support the mission. Uh, Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hand? Yes, sir, yes, yes, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. Yes, ma'am. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm in a right relationship with the Lord. I don't, I don't even know that, that I've been redeemed. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? Yes, sir. Anybody else? Please pray for me. I don't know that I have a right relationship with the Father through the sacrifice of Christ. I I don't know that I've been born again. Pastor, would you please pray for me? Is there anybody else that would say, please pray for me? Okay, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna praise. And the invitation is this. Um, Don't just acknowledge your need and then do nothing about it, okay? Come forward, get accountable, get help, get prayer. Uh, Make a decision, find out what the next step for you needs to be. And if, if it's salvation, we're gonna walk through the gospel. We're gonna make sure that you know what it means to be born again, to be in right relationship with the Father. Maybe you got a question about something that we covered this morning, let's answer that. Maybe there's somebody in your family, in your life, that's hurting and and you want prayer for them. Um, We're gonna pray, and as we're praising, please come, we wanna meet with you, we wanna counsel and pray with you. Father, you see there's a number of us this morning that that we don't wanna just live our lives for ourselves. We we wanna communicate to the need. And so God, I'm praying that Lord, as, as my brothers and sisters get plugged in here, 
that they would, they would begin to prioritize their personal life so that they can invest in the mission. Lord, I, I do pray for people to see the need to give to missions, to just simply designate missions uh, in tithes and offerings, but then Lord, to just sacrifice regularly uh, so that people like Paul can start churches around the world. Uh, Lord, I pray for people to see the strategic value of LFBI and to give so that we can, we can put more resources into training more people around the world. Uh, we need people that know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and, and then know how to use it in the lives of people. And so God, would you bless that and bless the support of the Living Faith Bible Institute. Lord, for the brother that's saying, I don't know where I'm at with the Lord, and for any that would say, they don't know that they're born again, God, I pray that you'd show us that today is the day of certainty. Today is the day of salvation. Uh, that today is a day where they can get sorted out on their relationship with you. And so, God, I pray that you would bind the excuses of Satan. Why? Uh, why they, they can't figure it out, why they can't do it today. Lord, I just pray that Satan and his lies would be bound and that God, through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit, that you would open our understanding and that, Lord, that today souls would believe on Jesus Christ as their Savior, their Lord, and their God. God, I ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing, Lord, for the decisions that are made this morning. God, we entrust them to you for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.